Welcome to the In the Bag Podcast. I'm your host from my beautiful Houston, Texas, Jonathan Slaughter. And with me as always is Jazzy James Haldeman. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's it's also beautiful here. We got our first big rain of California's uh, winter yesterday, which we need dearly to hopefully keep from catching on fire. But I think it's supposed to be pretty dry the rest of it. But it is cold here. I The podcast won't be able to see, but I am in a Stock, stocking cap or toboggan or Santa hat or whatever you call it, wherever you're from in the country. So it's nice and chilly this morning, but happy to be back, back, back like we never left. Golf season's starting up again with a, with a fun no-cut event, so ready for it. So I get, circling back to this like uh, nomenclature of your hat, um, Julie had never heard the word toboggan, um, and like I think it's specifically used like whenever you have like the fold-up and then you have like uh-huh. the little poofy ball on yeah, the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, like, is that is that like a north a northern thing? Like, I've never, I don't really know what else you would call it. Uh, you know, a beanie doesn't have, you know, the correct. The, it's just like just one piece of cloth, no fold over, no no thing. Like, what else would you call it outside of a toboggan? Right, you're correct. The beanie is for sagging backwards, right? That's, yeah. Or or if or if you're like a a rocket power type child. Yeah, uh, you know, you wear it full down to the eyebrows. Uh, stocking cap is the only other word for it I know. That's what uh, the the kids on my floor uh, in freshman year of college from Virginia called it. They called it a stocking cap. When I called it a toboggan, they looked at me like I wanted to go sledding, like I was an idiot. <laughs> and so I, I don't know. It's 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 like the soda pop Coke debate, right? If you're from from any anywhere else, I think Appalachia calls it pop, and then the South calls it coke no matter what it is and then everywhere right. else calls it soda right yeah i've been trying to not not call it coke for for a few years now because uh it's confusing <laughs> so, <I> w- <laughs> what it's like how- what what kind of coke do you want <laughs> well <laughs> do they i mean so so what happens if you go to a restaurant well i guess that's before the apocalypse when you went to a restaurant in texas yeah. and you ordered a coke what were you brought well so you they would ask you what kind of coke do you want like, are you but, serious? But, but then, yeah. But then you would say like Dr Pepper or Pepsi or Coke or Sprite. All right, that, that's kind of the greatest thing I've ever heard. Now, it, yeah, it's very confusing. I'm surprised they didn't. Well, I guess like whenever you went to Killens, uh, they didn't uh, they didn't have waiters. So, um, oh, that's did, true. They, they, they didn't. Probably, they probably would have asked you. I probably yeah. Oh man, now I want to go back to a restaurant in Texas just to order a Coke. <laughs> and then we went to we went to Whataburger. Yeah. So that you just fill up your own fountain drink there. They don't ask you. Oh exactly. god, I feel like I feel like I really missed out on an authentic. This is like going to Barton Springs in Austin. I feel like I missed out on something. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, next time we come back, we'll we'll go out to eat somewhere. But did you uh, did you at least get to uh, do some golfing and stuff uh, over the break? Yeah, I, pl- I played quite a bit. Um, I, I took two weeks off for or, you know the week of Christmas and the week after Christmas. And then got back out on January 1st, went out and played. According to Handicap with course slope and everything, my 94 at Spyglass is the best, quote-unquote, best round of golf I've ever played in my entire life. But on the first, I shot my best score. I uh, shot an 87, hit a ton of fairways, only took me 30 putts. So Ian Poulter can eat his heart out. Um, played pretty well so and i'm gonna play a scramble tournament on the 16th provided it stays relatively dry over the next couple weeks because now i'm feeling myself i feel like i can carry a two-man scramble after that just beating i put on a golf course on the first how about you nice uh yeah i played probably once a week i'm trying to play uh i'm like semi off work this week so um i'm trying to play at like the golf club of houston or something tomorrow uh, if a friend wants to go, if not, I'll just go play by myself somewhere. But uh, yeah, I got to play quite a bit. It's been unusually dry, I would say. It's usually like really rainy during the winter, so we'll see if that continues. You know, and it's been cold here. It's been like forty-five degrees. So you know, if it rains, it, it'll uh, it'll take a few days to dry out too. Right. So, um, but you know, nonetheless, I I was striking the ball like uh, not striking the ball. I was driving the ball the best I've ever done recently so hopefully i can put together with uh some of my other game and how far are we getting down there uh like i was so i i only play with the three wood because i'm just like terribly inaccurate with the driver and i just need to practice with it but i don't know i'm getting my three wood probably consistently uh 240 
I was probably only hitting it about 225 yesterday on uh, Sunday, but it was so uh, it was so windy. It was like 15 mile an hour winds <laughs> against us. I felt like the whole time. So uh, that was you know it is what it is. With that it's I was crazy. trying to I was trying to hit a stinger, but I, I just like I, I couldn't really do it. Like I mean I kind of could, but not not like the way you're supposed to. I feel like anytime there's wind when you play, it's only ever in your face. You never get a downwind hole, and I don't know why that is, but maybe it's just perception becoming reality. But it always feels like it's only in your face. No, as soon as so as soon as we got to where the course like turned around, it was like five mile an hour winds because it started to like warm up, and uh, mm. so which did help your distance a little bit. But you know, having fifteen mile an hour winds would have been like you know great. Gotcha, so. gotcha. So this weekend we don't have any club up or club down or anything. We're uh, haven't they basically haven't played golf in a month. Or when was the last time? Since that like partner charity tournament, yeah. Um, what the what Harris English and Matt Kuchar won, and apparently there's some sort of unstoppable combination in golf that I didn't know about. Like they they can't be beat, even though the first day Kevin Ah and who did he play with? Some random dude shot like. 54 because kevin na made a thousand feet of putts again somehow um but i think that and then they had like the father-son tournament the jt and and his dad uh ended up winning but that's that those are the last two times i think in the uh they they played an official quote-unquote official round of golf right right yeah you know i i very much enjoy we didn't really talk about this beforehand but uh we can talk about it for a little bit here but the um the father-son thing was very cool and then they had uh, I think it was a little before, but you know, like having the Steph and uh, Peyton Barkley Phil uh, thing as well. You know, I very much enjoy that golf is trying to fill in spots that it not normally, uh, you know, is in, and still right. being able to produce a good product and still, you know, obviously they're not going to be able to compete with the NFL or anything like that during those uh, during that window, but the product is very good. It was very enjoyable to watch. I mean, the father's something was awesome. I mean, watching, you know, Tiger's kid go out there and just hit like, you know, 185 foot, you know, five woods within four feet of the hole. I mean, just a freaking machine, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, how, like how, how many strokes would I have to give him from like, even from the tees that I play from <laughs> <laughs> like, like 20, maybe <laughs> like, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's obviously very, very good. I liked how intense he was. Yeah, like, he was. He, he really cared and wanted to win. I, I love that. that. The little note he left for JT in, in the bunker. Yeah, <laughs> knowing that it can't, knowing that it can't draw. Uh, that's that was uh, hilarious. I mean, it was all it was all very good. Um, and then, I thought it, I, I thought it was I thought the match with Phil and Steph and Peyton and Charles was particularly fun to watch because I feel like a lot of people who are scratch and, like, plus one handicaps learned a lesson about what it's like. I mean, I understand Steph didn't play well compared to what he usually does, I guess. I think that that most people learned a few things. One, it's very different playing golf on national television uh, instead of, like, playing, you know, out locally at at your your home course or club or whatever you have. Even though Steph played on a web.com event and, and shot in the 70s, like, it's hard. And two, there's a big difference between a plus one and a professional golfer. I mean, I think Phil sandbags a little bit for his plus five because he's probably better than that. Um, but there, there's a big difference, and I think we got to got to see that on TV, and it was pretty cool. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I still don't really understand how that Phil and Charles were, were, were underdogs of that, but nonetheless, I will. That was easy uh, money. I'll take the money and, and run with it. The uh, yeah, it, it was it was all very good and. You know, they got some really cool, uh, like, camera views. I mean, that course kind of, like, lended itself to it. Right. But, but the camera views were, were very awesome. You know, I thought the most interesting takeaway from uh, from that kind of stuff is that if, if somebody had, like, you know, I think half of the game with being a, with professionals, like, obviously they, they have a whole bunch of more shots that they can do around the green, which was very mm-hmm. evident. Um, which normal people just don't have, like normal people just don't have these like flop shots that they can put, you know, within 10 feet of the cup or speak for yourself, whatever. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I fit, I fit, I fit one good flop shot in my life. So, uh, but, uh, I mean, maybe you can do it consistently. I I, I cannot. I was being sarcastic. Very sarcastic. Got it. Uh, but they, um, it's interesting that I think if you put a caddy with somebody, 
that people would probably shoot maybe five to seven strokes better because yeah. most people have the ability to put the ball where they want to, or most people have the ability to judge like speed. Or if you tell them how fast you think they should hit it or how hard they should hit it, like put like Charles missed a bunch of putts, but there were a bunch of putts where he like lag putted super well because of what Phil was telling him to do. But Charles still had the ability to execute that. And most people, I think, not most people, but a lot of people will probably play weekly, at least, probably could execute those putts. They just don't know the speed and the break and all that stuff like a caddy or like a professional would. Right. I I had, uh, in my two previous jobs ago, a uh, corporate account manager that lived in Walnut Creek, and he was telling me that he got to play Pebble Beach one time. And he said he took the caddy because it was with a customer, so he didn't have to pay for it. Uh, it was on the corporate card. And it was the best round of golf he ever played in his entire life. He shot like a 91 at Pebble Beach, and it never broke like 96 or 97 before. But it was all because he had a caddy telling him what to do, where to hit it, and all that stuff. And those like even just like local caddies know the course well enough to tell you what to do with the ball. So, it, yeah, it, it, it makes a, a world of difference for a an average golfer who may not be able to read a green properly or they don't know exactly where they should be landing a, a pitch shot or, or whatever. But yeah, cat, caddies make a load of difference if, if you can if you can swing that kind of change. Yeah, for sure. I've never played with one. One day. Yeah, me one day. But, uh, I caddy my friends. I <laughs> clubs to hit, but I'm not nearly as good. So. <laughs> and then the other news that you brought to my attention prior to the pod was that you said that yesterday John Rom swapped his clubs out from TaylorMade to Callaway. Yeah, he's he put Callaway in the bag. Phil sat down with him and did like a little mock interview thing, which was which was pretty neat. Uh it's kind of the the face of the Callaway brand, obviously. You know, I I think Rom said he was looking for more consistency and spin and stuff around the greens and felt like Callaway Golf Ball offered that. Yeah, I, don't, I I think he he said he he wanted to change to help him win a major. You know, he's only three and a half years into his career and has been ranked number one in the world. So he's obviously done a lot already. Had a very esteemed amateur and college career. So you know, if, maybe it'll help him. But like you said, it, it might have just been getting crowded at Taylor Made, and he felt like he needed to be. I mean, he automatically becomes the best golfer on Callaway brand. I guess Xander's pretty close. You know, behind him. Um, even though Phil's the face, but you know that, that'll be Rom in a couple years, I I would imagine. So it, it, I think it's probably if if it works out for him, you never know how club changes are going to go early. I think it probably is nothing but positive, and I, I don't think that there's. I mean, guys win with TaylorMade, guys win with Titleist, guys win with Callaway. Obviously, uh, Bryson wins with Puma or not Puma Cobra. So um, I'll. I'll as long as they're everybody's getting clubs fit to them, right? So it's not like they that he's taking some huge risk. It might take some time getting used to, but I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. It is something I think I will probably be watching this weekend. Uh, you know, being that he literally just switched. So right. Um, I wonder. Yeah, we, know, if... we know he used an Odyssey putter and Callaway ball in college, so he has some familiarity with it, obviously. But it's still going to take some getting used to. Absolutely. Felt like for a long time, Callaway was the ball and the driver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and not just recently, I think most people would agree that the Mac Daddy wedges have kind of been the class of, you know, the the field as far as golf clubs are concerned. But maybe they fell behind, you know, ball wise with you know Pro V One's always going to be the Pro V One, and Taylor Made's obviously made strides there recently. Um, I, I guess I should say Ping's one recently with Victor Hovland. Shout him out. Um, oh, and then and, and Wilson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, I, I think I feel like you're always going to get like the the pretentious um, you know scratch handicap golfer that wants to use Titleist clubs in a Pro V one, and then t- Taylor Made signs all these big guys, but obviously also makes a good product because they want to have the best marketing strategy to appeal to the masses out there playing golf, especially now that everybody, literally everybody is, is picking up golf and trying to play it. No, absolutely. So it'll, it'll be interesting. Um, hopefully it works out for them. And like I said, I'll be keeping an eye on that uh, this weekend. Um, 
So this weekend we are in Hawaii uh, for the jealous. Century. Huh? I'm very jealous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for the Century Tournament of Champions. Um, and uh, what, uh, what type of course are we looking at? And uh, what kind of golfer should we be looking to fit that mold? We have a lot of data, obviously, on this. They've been playing the, the Tournament of Champions at the, the Plantation course uh, for in Maui for a long time. So we have a pretty robust idea of what we're looking for. And, and I went through you know the Rick Rungood key stat stuff yesterday and uh, absolutely agreed with all of it. Um, first is driving distance. There's no course where driving distance is more important uh, than here. Uh, it is a par 73. There's an extra par 5. And it is uh, 82, almost 8,300 yards long, I believe. Maybe 83, almost 84. I don't know. It's long. We'll put it that way. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you, you're you're going to need guys that bomb it. There's a cool... Oh, no, there's not an extra par 5. There's a par 6 for 18. That's what it is. Um, and so, that's the famous Bubba Watson driver off the deck, driver off the deck. Right, um, right. Video that we that we see from time to time pop up on the Instagram uh, search page. Um, so, you know, I, getting the ball out there, moving the ball is very important. Uh, obviously, this is a no cut event, and given that you know there are very wide fairways that it's tough to miss, guys are going to hit a lot of greens. So, strokes gained putting is really going to come into it. And I don't know that it necessarily needs to be a consistent putter, but can you get hot with the putter? Right, Justin Thomas won last year. Patrick Reed consistently plays well here, who is a very good putter. Um, who else? Xander is a hot and cold sort of guy with a short game and has finished you know first and second year the last two years. So you want to be able to get hot with the putter. And then the next most correlated stat, like I said, you want guys to make birdies, so birdie or better percentage. And then you come down to a lot of the, the things you expect to see, strokes gain tee to green, strokes gain total, uh, strokes gain approach to the green. So I think you know this is going to be a... a tournament that is won and lost off the tee um and how well you putt the ball um yeah putting obviously is always a factor um uh, how are, how big are these greens i haven't even looked at that they're, they're uh, pretty big they're like eight they're like almost nine thousand square feet oh wow okay so that that's like like i feel like 7500 is pretty big so nine thousand is like really wildly big okay so so that's so you know lag putting certainly maybe uh something we look into a little bit more than the normal yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's probably where a lot of the, the stroke... I mean, obviously, people probably make bombs to win these tournaments, but also, like, you know, you're probably putting from 70, 80 feet more often than you usually do in these sorts of tournaments. And so, you know, if, you know, if you're two-putting that every single time throughout the week, then you're also gaining strokes on the field putting that way. Understood. Okay, so we only have 42 golfers in the field. I guess we'll we'll try to touch on almost everybody... Uh, we'll just starting from the most expensive. I, I kind of want to take a kind of a holistic view. Uh, maybe that would be like a little better because there's just so few people. Um, we talked a little bit beforehand, but uh, who? I mean, just who is your favorite play in this entire entire field this weekend? Yeah, this is interesting. I think you you need guys, a couple guys at the top, and. I kind of lean toward Patrick Reed being my favorite play this week, I think. Uh, you know, he, he can move the ball off the tee. Generally, his problem there is that he's inaccurate, which puts him in tough situations with his irons, and that's why he struggles there. But we know he's an incredible putter and has a great short game and has been in decent form. You know, we haven't seen him since the Masters, but he finished 10th there, 14th at Zozo. And, and his course history here is really good. He's got, you know, four appearances since 2016, and he's finished second twice, including, you know, he, he and Xander lost in a, a playoff to, to JT last year. And Patrick Reed tends to play his best golf at these short field, no-cut events. So I, I think I'm leaning Patrick Reed here. He might be a little bit chalky at 9,600. Um, everyone's going to have a little bit of ownership as well. I mean, the ownership's going to be... Yeah, that's it, true. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to find guys that are 0.5% in this week. That's just not how it's going to work. So, yeah, uh, exactly. I, I don't think you should let ownership scare you off of, of anyone this particular weekend anyway, unless it's like yeah. someone's like, uh, I don't know, like, for instance, like Hideki, maybe like 35% owner or something. You may want to avoid that. 
or, or something like that. I don't know. I, I don't know if he will be. I just think he could be because he's got he's playing really well and he's got great course history here. Right. Um, Pat, I, I I like the Patty Reed call. Um, from a scoring perspective, I kind of wonder if his. I know he can get hot, and, you know, and that that round can definitely make your like. I don't think his. Um, floor is as low as people would think because I always think he always has one like really bananas round um, and that I can kind of carry the day but I just kind of worry about like his ceiling compared to like some of the top top guys um, but it's hard to go wrong with that I mean I, I don't know I don't know how you stay off DJ here I, I haven't tried to do yeah. a lineup with him but um, I mean 11,000 isn't immensely expensive and uh, there definitely are a couple guys that I like near the bottom. And, I mean, his track record here is 6th, 1st, 4th, 7th, in addition to the fact that he's probably, he's definitely in the best form of the field, uh, at least, you know, a month ago. So, um, right. I, I don't know. I'm having trouble finding, trying to talk myself out of that. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's really hard to say no to DJ. He's probably also been the best player off the tee box. Mm-hmm. as well recently his his putter has been otherworldly on fire so i mean there there are a lot of reasons to really really like dj i think he makes it harder to pair him with a really expensive guy like if you want to if you want to play dj for my money i would i would need to drop down the hovland or matsuyama but i also don't really have much of a problem with doing that yeah um yeah i think hovland you know hovland kind of showed uh before I was kind of worried about his ceiling beforehand, and he he really uh, came out the last few tournaments and played really well, and was you know and really was kind of showing the the talent that he is. Because uh, what's he? he got, obviously, he won the last tournament of the of the year, but fifteenth uh, prior to that, and twelfth two tournaments before that. So he's really coming out and putting together a, a, some really good performances. I I don't know. I kind of I kind of like doing the DJ Hovland thing, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I you would be hard pressed to get me to argue uh, against Victor Hovland in any golf tournament. That is, that is my guy. I had to shower love on him earlier, even though it didn't really make sense because we didn't get to talk about him post win, obviously because we went on break. But uh, yeah, I, I he's he's incredibly accurate off the tee. He moves it a long way. He can get hot with the putter. I mean, obviously his his short game is something he's he's gotten a lot better at recently. Um, so I, I think if you're going to drop down Victor Hovland, Hideki Matsuyama, Tony Finau, all make you know quite a bit of sense down in the lower nine thousand, upper eight thousand range. And I, this is a question, just because I can't remember the fields in previous years, the complete fields. But I feel like this this field seems a little less stacked than I would imagine it being um, for like what it's supposed to be. Like we don't have we don't have Rory here. Um, you know, Tiger, I feel, you know, I feel like this field, I guess, you know, there's a couple of names missing here that would typically, you know, be, be near the top. Well, I know Rory and Tiger didn't play last year. I don't know uh, how much they like specifically okay. care. Like, like Rory just plays a much shorter schedule than, and, and Tiger as well, but Tiger does it for injury reasons, obviously, but I feel like of most guys, Rory just plays a much shorter schedule than like, you know. Justin Thomas is out there all the time. DJ plays a lot of tournaments. Bryson, all these guys play a bunch of tournaments. And Roy just plays, like, the majors and, like, 13, 14 other tournaments every year. And, and that's what it is. So I, I don't feel like we're missing Rory here. Okay. I feel like we got a lot of the cream of the crop. JT, Rom, DJ, Bryson, yeah. Xander. You know, so, so we're doing all right. But, yeah, it definitely feels, feels light. Uh, especially at the bottom. Because I feel like a lot of random guys got wins last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's definitely a, it. Definitely, usually is some random ones, but it feels like this year is like some really random ones. Um, but I'm happy for guys like Stuart Sink, you know, that hadn't won in a while. Uh, from to go put that performance together, it was pretty great. Sink had um, also been playing well until his last two miscuts. Yeah, no, so. for sure. Um, yeah, so I think moving on, going down from DJ to me, Justin Thomas. It's funny because I, I felt like. Prior to this year, Thomas was always the like uh, the safe pick um, compared to like maybe some of the other guys that were at the top. But now I feel like he's uh, mostly boom. But I feel like he's the boomer bust pick. I mean, he's like first, third, 
22nd, which is like bottom half first and then 21st, which I think was almost near the end, almost like almost last uh, in his last five tournaments here. But and then, you know, his tournaments coming into this 12th, second, fourth, 12th, uh, he's not gaining the streaks off, strokes off the tee that you would normally see from him. But 0.8 on approach, uh, 0.4 around the green, which is not that big a deal. His putting is not a negative, which is good for him. So uh, I, I don't know. I mean, JT, great form, boomer bust. I think if you're I think he'll be very popular, though. But I think if you're looking for that uh that risk that he's the guy that you want to go with at the top. Yeah. I mean, I think he has a really solid chance to win the tournament and I, this is like we talk about every no cut event. If you give these guys four rounds, they're going to play a good round, especially on a course that kind of, you know, is, is a, a a bombing type course where, you know, you have wide fairways and and they can take advantage of that. So I, I think, yeah, JT is probably, the most volatile guy uh in this in this top half maybe rom's a little more volatile um but but yeah i I definitely agree with that i think i think he'll he'll be popular but i also think like he he provides the highest chance of probably finishing in the the lower half of this field which finishing position is going to end up equating to a lot of points if you're doing DraftKings this week or fandle i guess got it um and, th- and then just going down the line here, I mean, it, there's a lot. I mean, again, as always, the guys at the top are just all, they're all playing well. Rom, you know, 17th, 2nd, 7th. Uh, DeChambeau obviously had his run earlier, but 8th, 34th. Hasn't played a lot of golf recently. I kind of don't know what to expect. I kind of think his ownership may be low, which makes it kind of interesting. He finished 7th the last time he played here. Um, but Xander, first, second, in the last his last few years here. Second, 17th, 17th coming in. Uh, I mean, all these guys are playing really well. So it's, you know, again, it's really difficult to say that you're going to go wrong with any of these guys at the top because I think even even with Bryson, I think they all give you a good chance to win here. And I think that with the new the new Bryson, you know, we haven't seen how that's going to play on this course. And, and that may just be, he may just overwhelm it and it may, you know, uh, and he may just run away with this thing. So uh, I, I think you're not going to go wrong with whoever you choose in the top five, and it's really about trying to figure out who you like near the bottom of your whatever that bottom is in your lineup uh, and trying to fit those people in. Yeah, because you have to go down to the bottom this week. So this is an interesting week where instead of picking who you like at the top and then filling in at the bottom, you kind of pick who you like at the bottom and then you you know you fill in salary wise at the top where you can. Uh, I think Bryson's going to hit like multiple double digit four hundred yard drives this week. For the record, that's my that's my Ooh. prediction. Like uh, not not carry obviously. No, well no, but I I I think he's going to be like. 210, 215s, like club head speed or ball speed. Sorry, ball speed. That's crazy. You know, I do watch that. Uh, God, what is the long, the long driver's name with the hair? Kyle Berkshire. Yeah, I watch his YouTube every now and then, and he he just hits like crazy, some crazy shots. He hit like a he carried like 388 on like you know like normal, no, like on a, on a drive, but carrying at 388. <laughs> I mean, I would love to have, for him to like go like just get like. I don't know, a, a, like an exemption spot into like a tournament just to see like how much of a difference, you know, it makes. Cause he's hitting, you, he's hitting like 52 degree wedges into par five, you know, greens. Did you see, um, he was working out with Bryson? I did see this. Over the break? I did and hear, he I did an, hear about he, it. He, he hit an eight iron, like 306 yards. <laughs> I did hear about that. That's funny. It's, I mean, it was on the simulator, so. I mean, those are pretty accurate, so I'm not not doubting that he did it, but like it's just absurd. Yeah, he he, I I mean I I don't know. I find the long drive stuff gimmicky, so I'm not that into it. Although I do find it incredibly impressive. Um, but he did say he was gonna like try and work his way onto the tour, but and was gonna start playing like small small events. And if an exemption came his way, then he'd go play. But he he wants to try to, to work his way on the tour, which I think is is pretty cool and would be interesting. He wouldn't be the first guy to do it i don't believe a couple other guys have done it not with much success but it's definitely possible yeah it's just like a thought experiment really more than anything 
Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the uh, so I almost think it's better to kind of like work our way from the bottom because of like what we're talking about. Um, I, and I think yeah, we covered I, we covered I, the top guys. I th- I think there's only like man, I, I'm looking at this outside of I I don't I don't think I would want to I don't think I would want to dip below. Mackenzie Hughes and I don't personally enjoy playing Mackenzie Hughes. It's just that I know that he randomly does well in tournaments like this, and it wouldn't mm-hmm. shock me if he did well. It's just not not something I would want to do. Similar with Kevin Na, um, although I think he's less talented than Mackenzie Hughes, but he also yeah. randomly does well in these types of things. Um, but he normally does well. I feel like in the full field tournaments. I, I don't know what his track record is at these uh, no cut events. Um, but you know, he has the ability to go on a streak. No doubt about that. Um, I'd only, I'd probably only dip down below that. Like Richie Wawrinski is interesting just cause he's only $6,000 and I feel like of all the guys down here, he's the best, maybe Swafford is better, but he's also like longer than Swafford, but he's probably the best complete ball striker. Not that he's that great at it. Um, you know, the rest of these guys are pretty bad off the tee or pretty short. Like, you know, Andrew Landry is just incredibly short off the tee. And so I just think, like, if I was going to take a risk down here, it would be Warinsky. But I'm I'm with you. I would not. I would not. I'm not going to dip below Lanto Griffin. I don't even want to dip to Mackenzie Hughes. But um, I, I will not be going below that. And honestly, I, I like the trio of Griffin, Palmer, Ortiz quite a bit. I, you know, I think Ortiz is a better off the tee player than he's shown. But he, he's an obviously was in great form a month ago uh, with the you know, one at Houston, eighth place at the tournament prior to this one, uh, has never played here before, um, but that doesn't mean all that much. But, I mean, uh, he's not losing strokes anywhere. and I've, you know He's only gaining .07 off the tee, but I feel like he's a much better off the tee player than that. You pointed out Ryan Palmer, which I think may be my favorite low-level play of the week because of his ability off the tee. His putting's not very good, but he's in great form, and he's played here before with a 17th finish. But if you're paying 7000 for him, that's a pretty good finish. Yeah, that, that'll that'll pay off his value at, at 7000 if if that's where you choose to go. I think he's my my favorite low-level play. We we should mention, you know, Lonto is below $7,000, which is why I'm playing him. It's literally the only reason. <laughs> um I mean, I also think Lanto's a better off the tee player than he's shown so far earlier in the season. The reason he's like field average is just is generally because he's uh, you know inaccurate off the tee, um, and I feel like that's the same thing with Carlos Ortiz. They both have plenty of length. They're both three hundred plus you know off the tee, and so I don't think that's a problem. And also, again, like I said, I don't think accuracy is anything that that should hurt anybody this week unless you're super wild. So I, I also really like this. Um, sort of cluster here of, of Ortiz, Palmer, and Griffin. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm fine starting, you know, the bottom of your roster with, with any of these three guys. I think I'm going to go Griffin, Palmer to give myself some flexibility at the top and uh, and see where we go from there. Okay, yeah, um, I'm thinking about that as well. And then there's just not a lot of guys I, I like in this type of range. Um, just also to kind of circle back, Lanto is shooting, averaging .64 uh strokes per round uh and the positive in the new year ortiz 0.81 um yeah. so these guys are playing pretty good golf uh particularly for where they are another random person uh i don't know how you feel about it martin later is averaging 0.83 and he's at, doing that with one uh stroke gained on his approach yeah his iron play has been pretty phenomenal though i i feel like laird was really hot all the way through like Shriners after, um, you know, we got to the, what, the kind of like Reese 2021 or 2020, 2021 season. Mm. Is that what we call this? Yeah. Um, and then since Shriners, you know, he's obviously missed two cuts at Houston and, and RSM, but yeah, Laird's, Laird's been playing fine. I think he's probably got the highest upside outside of like Warinsky of all the bottom guys. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it feels similar to how you're feeling about Laird. I, I feel about Kokrak, who has just kind of had a hot streak uh, in, in and around that Shriners time period and has since cooled off considerably with two straight miscuts uh, and three miscuts in his last five, and he's never played here. So I'm, uh, I could see why you'd want to play him. I think he may be pretty popular, um, although I think Leishman also will be popular given his course history. Uh, 
and I, I, I will. That makes I, me want to play Sebastian Munoz. By the way, I will not. I will not play Leishman. Uh, I will not play Leishman. He, he's just not in form. Uh, his his ball striking is coming around a little bit, but if he's only going to gain what is yeah point two seven, which is good, but he's supposed to be excellent. You know, he's he's gained all his strokes in the past, like by having like being a top five ball striker. So if he's right. not not going to be there, then I'm I'm not feeling all that confident about him. Um, and I just I don't know. He hasn't, he hasn't shown it. He's got one good finish. Uh, 13th in his last four tournaments and even in the tournaments prior to that were even worse. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yep. I'm not, I'm not, not feeling good about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm off Leishman off Kokrak off Todd. Don't like any of those guys in the 7,000 range. I Munoz is the, is the place I'd, I'd lean if I wanted to play here. I think he's got an all around game. I think he's long off the tee where he gets in trouble generally as he's inaccurate and that's obviously not going to be a problem this week, even though, again, like, you know, if we, we come into this tournament and we say your last two finishes were miscuts, I don't I don't really care that much. That was a month ago at, at the earliest. So, you know, everybody's kind of on a level playing field now. Horschel kind of interests me, but not a ton. Sergio doesn't interest me. Uh, Kevin Kisner can get extremely hot with the putter, uh, but I don't think he has the high upside. Um, in this range of like a Munoz or a Cam Champ uh, in the seven thousand range, because I just he's just not long enough off the tee. And, uh, but and he, I feel like I, his I think, his putter has been hot, and that's the reason that correct. he is here. And without that, like I think we've we've seen. I mean, not that like you only have so much hotness with the putter, but I feel like the only reason that he <laughs> is this this high up is because his putter has been extremely hot because he's not striking right, the right. ball well and he's not. You know he's doing he's doing what he does off the tee, but he's not like his iron play isn't like fantastic. So I think we've kind of seen that wave for him, and I would be off of that. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think he'll probably finish somewhere between fifteen and twenty. It's my guess for Kevin Kisner, uh, and I think you want a little you want a little more uh, upside potential from this range. And I think the two guys that truly give you that are are Munoz and Champ, just because they have they have the length. You know, obviously. Champ hasn't played great uh, in any other facet of his game besides the driver to start the season, but that you know that can change in one tournament. Um, and I think he has the kind of link that can overpower the score. So Champ and Munoz are my picks here. Yeah, and I think when you know that someone does something well, uh, that 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 provides you with some sort of baseline for their play, and then if like they put together one other facet of their game, then you know then they have the opportunity to have a really special weekend. Um, right. So I think that that's the argument for Champ. I, I like Champ quite a bit. I think he may be pretty popular, um, uh, but but we'll see. I mean, he is a little expensive, I think, because he compared to the people around him, like he hasn't done all that much. Um, Correct. Like he shouldn't be, you know, two hundred less dollars than Adam Scott, or you know, one hundred dollars less than Adam Abraham, or Abraham Answer. But maybe the, the expense factor will lay people off. But I, I think he will be pretty popular. Yeah, I, I think you could be right about that. I, I just think people people like Cameron Champ for whatever reason, too. I think Answer is a good play. I think he has more upside than people think, um, and he has shown in the past that his length is not prohibitive of how he how like how well he can do at a tournament. Like we've seen him do well at tournaments that seem to be length driven. Um, so I, I and I just think he's a really good golfer, and I think that he's probably playing the best out of all the guys around him, uh, Scott through Scott on down, even I would say he, you know, except for maybe Ortiz, who's got a first and the eighth finish, but, um, I, I, I think he's playing really well. And I think his talent is, is probably a little better than, uh, well, maybe not Scott or him, but his talent, his talent's very good. I mean, I, I don't know. He's kind of, a, he's kind of a funny player. I mean, he's the highest ranked golfer in world OGWR to not, not have a win, so obviously he's very, very good. Um, I, I'm worried about his length here. Uh, there are courses where I'm not uh, that worried about it, but here, given just the the size of the course, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about it going into this week. I'm not particularly interested in, in Scott or Sung J.M. Adam Scott just has played kind of average golf when he's played recently, and, and M kind of hit or miss, I guess, uh, recently. 
I think if you're doing uh, a multi, if you're doing like a multi-entry, uh, like a twenty entry or something, I think you should have some M, just because yeah, think he, I, I he has the upside. Agree with that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree with that. I think he has the upside. Uh, the guy that I want to play, uh, and I'm very excited to play this week is Joaquin Neiman. I think he's got the length. Um, he can get a little inaccurate off the tee. Doesn't matter as much this week. He's been putting a lot better recently. Um, he his first round of Mayakobi shot like what six six under something like that. Looked like he's poised to win the tournament and then struggled. Um, finished fifth year last year after he won at the Greenbrier. So I think I think this is the type of course that really fits um, Joaquin Neiman and and the way he plays. So I, I think getting him for eighty three hundred just because he you know hasn't really popped since CJ Cup is is kind of a bargain to me. Yeah, um, I'm. I like Joaquin Neiman. I'll be interested to see how the ownership of. I think this is a very interesting, like, I almost kind of think this may be like where you win or lose your tournament. But like mm-hmm. ne- Neiman uh, and Scheffler, I think, are are kind of similar. Um, and I, I don't. I don't. Will they both eat up all the ownership here? Will they split the ownership, or is one of them going to take the ownership? I think that all that will be very interesting to see. I. I, I don't know where people are going to go, to be honest. I, I know pe- a lot of people do like Scheffler, and they're they're both playing pretty well. I think Neiman's playing a touch better, but um, they're they're very both very similar golfers in how they play. Scheffler, to me, has shown the ability to putt well, uh, bef- you know, where I don't think Neiman has really uh, shown that, at least on a more consistent level. So I, 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 I think I kind of like Scheffler a little bit better than Neiman, but we'll see, like, you know... If, if I have to fit Neiman in instead of Scheffler because of uh, pricing, I'm not going to like be crying about it. Yeah, you don't have to twist my arm to play either Scheffler or Neiman this week. I, I think, I mean, obviously Scheffler can shoot 59, um, and his putter can get extremely hot, and he can hit everything to, to two feet, uh, just kind of leave himself kick-ins. And, and we, I mean, we haven't seen that since the restart, but you know, I think ever since, when did he come back? Uh, Sanderson Farms? He's slowly worked off the rust, right? He barely made the cut at Sanderson, missed it at Shriners, 52nd at CJ Cup, and then 17-32, 19th through Zozo through Masters. So I think he's starting to work off the rust, but now we're you know kind of back in this rust phase. So uh, maybe Scheffler, ta- he just has such a weird swing. I feel like he's a rhythm player. We talk- Who else do we talk about that for? Hideki, maybe? Yeah, Hideki. And Sungjae? Yeah, uh, Hideki, and, for sure, with that. The and, and so... May- Maybe there's something there with Scheffler. It'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, I, I have no problem playing playing Scheffler. Um, and he gets the top of the $8,000 range with Berger, English, Morikawa, Finau. And I I don't know. Recently, I don't feel like any of these guys, except for maybe Harris English, has given me much of a reason to to look more to them than they have to, you know, Joaquin Neiman down at the bottom of this range, which also saves you a little bit of money unless you get two of the more expensive guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, it's, it's funny how DraftKings does this too. Uh, and they just like end up pairing people who I think are like, uh, kind of like very similar, like right next to each other in terms of like style. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, not, not that burger and English are like exact mirror images of each other, but I feel like they're both a little short burgers, obviously a, a lot longer than English, but they're shorter compared to the top players. They're very good around the green and putting. And, um, I, I they're both playing pretty well. Harris English is a little, playing a little better however his uh fit for this course is a little worse and so it's funny that they they put them right next to each other uh similarly how they paired uh Scheffler and Neiman pretty close together <laughs> yeah uh, I I, th- I do think I do think Berger and and English are, are interesting because they're I think they'll be they're under owned. They're, they're just yeah they're really well-rounded players and, and that's, they kind of do everything well. And I've stopped doubting Harris English. Like, just just play Harris English. He's, Harris English he's is really just good. very, very good at golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, I mean, I mean, he. We think of Harris English as short, but he, I mean, he's three oh six to start the season. He's not. He's not that short. He's still losing strokes off the tee, though. He is losing strokes off the tee. I think he's gone for adding distance and sacrificed some of his accuracy recently. Um, but it hasn't hurt him. He's finished sixth and fifth his last two starts. So kind of sneaky. And one, he he led Matt Kuchar to a victory. Think about how tough that is. You're, you're 
you're, you're, you're talking me into uh, into Harris English right now. Yeah, I was I was trying to talk myself into Harris English a little bit too, but I don't know what I'm gonna do at the top. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I need to figure uh, out because it says that he's losing strokes from approach, but there's no way he could be like his last four tournaments that like he's played. Too, right. he's played too well. So I need to go and and kind of uh, modify. Figure out where this data is coming from. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I think this is probably to me the most fascinating group of guys: Hovland, Matsuyama, Finau, Morikawa. Um, they're all long off the tee. Um, they all can't putt. I mean, like talk about people grouping, grouping people together. Uh, I mean, this is a fantastic group before. Um, now I don't know how you go about separating them. Uh, it seems Hovland's maybe got the best, uh, uh, he's playing, was playing the best before the break. Um, Matsuyama's got the best course history here. Um, but, uh, you know, Hovland hasn't played here before, but the other three have finished high here. Um, I, I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you, who do you, how do you make, how do you differentiate them? Because I think, I think you need, I think one of these guys, I'll, I'll say it right now. I think one of these guys wins the tournament. And so I think so you, more, you're saying Morikawa, Finau, Matsuyama, Hovland wins the tournament. One of those four. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, th- I think the first differentiator is that Tony Finau can't win. <laughs> and so if that's what you're looking for from this range, then you don't play Tony Fino. Okay. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. I think that's fair. I think, I think he's going to be very more, popular. So I think I like that. You're, you're, uh, you're I do, I do him think he'll list. be very popular. Uh, I think Morikawa has the highest volatility. Uh, and he's, and it's weird saying that about a guy who made his first, like what, 21 cuts on tour or something like that. But I, I think he, he now is the guy that can, you know, miss a cut pretty easily or, uh, you know, finish in the top five. So if you want some risk, I think more call is fine. But if you want to look for a more consistent finish, which Hideki's just been much better recently. Uh, I think his putter is better than it's been since, what, two, three years ago where he, he putted like tour average. Um, and then I think, you know, Victor is probably the steadiest guy here. Uh, I think he also, like you said, I think I think he provides a high upside now. I think he can just hit the ball so close. He's so accurate off the tee, he, and he moves it pretty far too. And his his short game and his putting is starting to come around. The thing that worries, only thing that really worries me about Victor here, is that uh, I feel like his short game is worst when he's in tight lies. And here at the plantation course, you get a lot more tight lies around the green. And those are the ones he tends to, you know, flub or, or skull or, you know, whatever wild mistakes you've ever seen Victor Hovland making a short game on your um, on your social media. That's where these things tend to start to happen. And so I guess by process of elimination, the person I'm least worried about on this range is, is Hideki. Uh, I think he's been in great form, obviously, second at Houston, 13th at the Masters. He's long enough off the tee. He's got a great short game. Um and, and I think, like, for all of his uh, misgivings as a putter, one of the things I think Hideki's really good at is lag putting when he has long putts and can kind of just flow instead of worrying about making seven-footers for birdie. Like, I, I just don't think he feels the same tension, and he's a much better lag putter. So I, I think I think if I'm going to pick one of these four guys to win, it's going to be Hideki. Okay, I like that. And uh, the odds would agree with you. He has the highest, or uh, the shortest odds, I guess, of the... Uh the folks there so i got a new job i'm a bookmaker now ah yes um james will be taking your bets here shortly um so okay and then and then you said you liked reed we've talked about him um webb is like the the rich man's version of harris english are you worried about his length i i tend to am kind of thinking that uh, similarly with Webb or similarly with with Harris, I don't worry about it as much. Yeah, I used to worry about Webb Simpson's length, but then he finished tenth at the Masters, and he's got an eighth place finish here from two years ago. And every course where length should matter, it ends up with Webb still posting a really really good finish. And so I'm I'm not as worried about Webb's length. I think he's just so strong everywhere around the golf course that that it's not that huge of a deal. Uh, I just find, you know, guys on either side of him, you know, a little bit more interesting and with a higher upside this week is basically where I where I stand. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to play Webb, play Webb. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh that's all that's all fair. I like that. Uh I I I probably won't play Webb, but I I don't think that there's a problem with it. I do think he is a is a 
is a very good play. Um, there's there's definitely nothing wrong with it. Um, and then you talked about Reed, and then we get into the back up here to the top. I think this is priced appropriately uh, in terms of order. I think that it's DJ, JT. I think maybe Rom and Bryson would be should be switched. Um, but Xander Cantley, Cantley is the. Uh, I mean, Cantley to me is actually pretty interesting because he has been gaining strokes off the tee so well. Um, it, it's just that he, I don't know, he never. He can go very low, and he always it seems like he always does have one round, but I feel like he's just so inconsistent from like round to round, right? Yeah, which is weird because last time we saw him in a no cut event, he won. I, I guess JT kind of gave that away, but he still had to go out and win it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. There's just this thing I can't shake about Cantley that I just feel like you know how Rory backdoor top tens his way into every major. I mean, I guess he didn't at the Masters, but it's kind of like. Oh, Rory struggled round one. Oh, Rory had a really good round two. Oh, Rory's coming round three, and then round four he just kind of shoots one or two under, and he finishes top ten, and just he's Rory McIlroy in major majors. I feel like that's Patrick Cantlay in every tournament he plays. Like a really bad first or second round, but then he squeaks his way in on the cut. But I'm obviously no cut. But anyways, um, and then you know he plays a really good third round, and then figures out a way to backdoor his way into a top ten on Sunday, and so. Maybe he plays a little bit better than that this week. He probably does. But I feel like um, outside of JT, he's the other volatile play up top. Like, he could finish in the bottom half of the field where, just like JT, where I feel like the rest of these guys probably finish in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I agree with that. I think that, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, to me, I, I'm kind of leaning towards, if I don't start my lineup with DJ I think I may be leaning towards starting it with Bryson, um, just cause just purely for the upside of it all. Um, and um, I think potentially he may be the least owned of, of these guys. Yeah, I actually think Bryson's going to gonna be the least owned uh, of these guys as well. I think Xander will be the most popular. Interesting. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I think, it, I think Xander and Reed will be the, the two most popular guys from this top range. You think you think Reed will? I guess people have kind of come around on the Patty Reed thing. Well, yeah. I mean, also like second last year, second and sixteen, six and seventeen. Like he he plays well here. I think people also know that he plays well in short field, no cut events. Um, I mean, like seven of or four of his seven wins. How many wins does he have? I don't know. A lot of the majority of his wins have come in events like this. And and I, I just I just think this is kind of like a Patty Reed track sort of sort of situation. And when Patty Reed is on a Patty Reed track, everybody plays him. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I can I can see that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the ownership uh, projects at. Anything on the betting market that was super interesting to you? I, I don't see any. Let me scroll. I don't see any matchups yet. Um, they may come out later today. Um, yeah, I, I haven't seen anything super interesting at, at the time of recording. Um, I, I tend to, with 42 people, I, I'll probably play a DraftKings lineup and maybe make a couple uh, outright bets to to enjoy myself while I watch and have a little bit of fun. Um, oh, yeah, I just have winners here. So, you know, DJ's 5-1, to one, which is crazy. So, Patty Reed at 14-1 to one in a 42-person a event. Doesn't seem that bad to me. Hideki's also fourteen to one. Oh, I actually picked those exactly like the betting market has been listed. Hideki, then Hovland, then who was the other guy? Oh, Finau's above Morikawa. Okay, well, I'm not quite that good, I guess. Don't quit your day job, James. <laughs> uh, I I'm gonna I'm gonna have have a bet placed on Joaquin Neiman at thirty three to one. Like I I think that's that's solid but you know outside of that not too much super interesting to me all right there'll probably be some matchups i end up wanting to play for like the tournament but those are obviously not out yet uh like what i do you have a prop what, what, do you have what, any what particular uh like i would play like a tournament matchup i would play is um if I could find like Victor Hovland over Tony Fino, I would I would end up playing that because I feel like that's something we might see. 
Um, I guess Lonto is probably going to be paired against Ryan Palmer in the tournament matchup, so I, I don't know that I would you know play that. But if they are paired against other people in their range, I'd be looking to play that. Uh, Munoz over Neiman or Munoz over uh, Leishman would be something I'd be looking for, since they're obviously close in odds. Um, you know, Neiman over Cam Smith or Sung JM would be something I'd be looking to play. So all these guys that I've I've liked out of their ranges, you know, English over. Burger, maybe eh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe English over Burger, but all these guys that I've liked in their respective ranges. Just looking for for tournament matchups against guys around them. There are some interesting ones. I, I do see some here, but they're not as many as uh, typically they have like a, a lot, and there's not that many here. But um, what do you think about um, like Morikawa versus uh, Finau? Morikawa, uh, they have Horschel versus Leishman. Um, Morikawa and Berger. Um, I think Morikawa over Berger. And then they, oh, and then they have the ultimate, the ultimate uh, James player, English versus Neiman. <laughs> How is that? What will we end up at? <laughs> oh no, that's so terrible. Uh, Patty Reed versus Matsuyama. There's some really interesting ones. Like I think they, yeah, I think they, they did it they, right. They did a really good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did a really good job. Lanto versus Mackenzie Hughes. Oh, give me Lanto uh, all day. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, and then Cantlay versus Webb. I kind of like Cantlay there. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely some good See, ones. See, I like Cantlay oh, and more even, for an outright. Even Palmer versus Munoz. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> They're killing me. I like Cantlay more for an outright win than Webb, but I'd like Webb in a tournament matchup. That makes sense. Webb's floor is definitely uh, higher. No doubt about that's that. Gonna sound, that's going to sound... That was good podcast content right there. Yeah. Just let everybody know how early we're recording this. Yeah. Um, do you, I, you, you said yesterday you had some sort of prop thing that we should remember to help you bring up. Oh, sorry. I was actually talking about the California prop. You, oh, you tr- prop 22. Yeah. This was supposed to be a conversation. <laughs> you, tw- okay, you, you, okay. you tweeted about it. I was like, oh, I was like... I have. I don't really understand how props work, but that's a. Uh, but I understand. Uh, I, I understand why you're talking about that now. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the podcast will be interested in this content. Maybe they would be. I don't know. I don't know how many socially minded people we have out there. Um, but yeah, we can talk about that after. Uh, I I don't I don't have anything else, so we'll get into our our end portion of this. Uh, so I don't think anybody's going to be particularly low owned, but if there is a guy that you think you'll get an advantage on with the field, who's your baby draw? Harris English. I do. I do like that pick. I think. I think he's he's an advantage. Um, I, I'm going to go with Sebastian Munoz. I feel like he's not going to eat up the ownership down there at the bottom. I feel like it's going to be guys like Kiz and Horschel and Leishman um, that get picked, and maybe Munoz will go a little under the radar with his two miscuts in his last two events. I, I, I like Sebastian Munoz. What about your fade? Who's the guy you're going to steer clear of this week? I typically like going to t- uh, at the top near these. Um, John Rom. Yeah, Rom for me too. Equipment change. He didn't come out of the gates hot after the the COVID restart. It took him a while to kind of get going. So I, I'm I'm just hesitantly going to say John Rom here and, and be interested in watching him. The second guy that I will be fading is Cockrack. Standing standing spot in the fades for Jason Cockrack <laughs> and Jordan Spieth. Uh, Two, we'll, go, we'll go with two more here. I'm going to give you one surprise one, one you expect. So the, the one you expect, who, who you got winning this week? Uh, I wish you could see his face. It's very strained. Uh, I will go with Hovland. Okay, he, I like that. Back-to-back for Victor. Yes, he wins back-to-back. All right, I like that. Uh, I'm going to go with Patty Reed. I'm going to say Patty Reed wins this week. Unfortunately, we've used him in our one and done, but I, I, I think he gets the job done this week. And then for the last question I've got, give me one prediction. It can be crazy or not. I'll let you keep it as tame or as wild as you want to be for the 2021 year of golf. You can give me two if you want as well. If there's two that are burning you, give them to me. Okay. Uh, I'll give you one. I'm going to give you one because it's uh, it's completely wild. And, I don't, I, uh, and you're going to hate it. I'm, I'm going to hate it. So, uh, I will say that one is, uh, Jordan Spieth wins a golf tournament. 
And my second one, I'll just go with who I think will win, uh, win the cup. Um, I think, I think, I think Patty Reed wins the, uh, the tour championship. Okay. So this is going to be, this is going to blow your mind. <laughs> my, my prediction is also that Jordan Spieth wins a golf no, tournament. Are you shitting year. me? <laughs> no. I, I, I came up with this because I wanted to. I wanted to see the look on your face when I said it. I did not expect you to say it first, so I, I had to stay stone cold uh, when you said it, even though my mind was blown. That's my that's my prediction. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that uh, that Rory wins the Masters as well. That's my other prediction for the season. Oh God, he needs to win the Masters so bad. I want it. I want it real bad. I can't. I I would I would have if you had given me. A hundred to one odds on you saying Jordan Spieth wins a golf tournament. I would have laughed at the person and never taken it. Never would have taken it. That is funny. Jonathan Slaughter. Growth and surprises in the year of our Lord and Savior 2021. Well, you too. I think you like Spieth less than I do. I don't know about that. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know about that. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's funny. Well, I guess we'll have to figure out which one it'll be. Yeah, that that would be nice if we could predict the tournament that he that we predict he wins. That'd be great. Like the Valero, maybe or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm, ex- I'm I'm happy to be back. Happy to be be uh, be podcasting again, and uh, looking forward to what, what should be a pretty fun start to uh, to 2021 for these guys before we hop back into the the real grind with the Sony Open next week. Awesome. Let's uh, let's uh, let's have a profitable week. Let's start the year off uh, on a, on the right foot. Thanks for tuning into the In the Bag podcast. If you want to interact with the show, you can find us on Twitter at In the Bagcast, Slaughter at Slaughter, and myself at James Paul Four. You can also leave comments, rate, subscribe, whatever you'd like, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us there. Good luck to all of you this week, and we hope you'll tune in again next week to make sure you have the right clubs in the bag. Thanks again. Stay safe.